Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of Enterprise IT. And this week we're getting all meta, right? podcasting about podcasts. No, actually we're just talking about Facebook, like pretty much <laughs> everyone else in the industry. Uh, we all have to have an opinion about Facebook's announcement. Uh, so in case you've been living under a rock, what happened was Mark Zuckerberg announced that uh, there's going to be a holding company above all of Facebook's properties, uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, uh, Oculus, and it's going to be called Meta to reference, of course, the Metaverse yawn. Um, the interesting thing is that some of the Oculus stuff actually got rebranded to Meta itself. So already the walls are breaking down. So it, it appears to be a bit different from what Google did with the alphabet that nobody really calls alphabet, uh, where they just stuck the the things that they couldn't stop doing because the founders cared about them, like high altitude radio balloons and whatnot, and shuffled them off into a corner. But really, Google stayed Google. Uh, Facebook seems to be taking another tack. What did you guys take from that? It's a bit um, part of their like antitrust and all this highlighting that they're coming under. I mean, okay, they're going to do like Alphabet did, where yeah, and then not, now they'll oh, be come to Facebook if yeah. Facebook is that them <laughs> exactly. Don't call Mark; he runs Meta. Call the person who runs Facebook. But uh, the more interesting thing here is how everybody's congratulations to that person's promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is a horrible promotion. But it's just like metaverse everywhere. I mean, everybody's gone completely metaverse crazy absolutely everywhere. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Speaking of someone who read uh, Snow Crash back when it was just a year or two old and blew my mind in the 90s, I... Anybody else actually read the book? The Metaverse was not a roadmap. It was a horrible, hellish dystopia. <laughs> it was used to criticize some trends that were already emerging in 90s IT, let alone now. Yes, but Fahrenheit 451 was not actually meant to be burning down regular books. And yet here we are. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I compare it more to the Matrix. We'll just be hooked into the Metaverse and then it's like red pill or blue pill. What, what, are, you, what are you taking? What are you taking? See, that I could get behind if it could all be cool and wear mirror shades indoors and have long floor-brushing leather coats and whatnot. But all of the demos that they showed is super lame. Why don't you go to a cubicle farm or a meeting room, but in VR? And let me look at my computer with my email inbox, but in VR. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I think the most interesting one was Microsoft, although like it it, it kind of creeps you out, but it makes sense. Where you know we're all on video, so so okay, you're all to the audience out there. You're only going to hear this in voice, but we can see each other. Where I could turn on my video, you see me, but then somebody could say like, "Yeah, you're going to see only my avatar," and their avatar gets projected. Now that's going to feel weird to me if I'm on camera and I'm talking to somebody's avatar, but at least you see facial expressions. I, I don't know. Like at first I thought this won't make sense. And then I thought, wait a second, it will make sense. Cause I will get the facial expression. I will be able to like read the room a bit, but it's still so awkward. Maybe we're the wrong generation for all of this. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's, there's like elements of promoting body dystopia, like layered into this, right? Is my avatar going to 
you know, are all the avatars going to be like super cute? Um, <laughs> do avatars not get pimples? What goes on here? Right. And like certainly today, and, and thank God our listeners can't, can't see us here. Like I, I kind of rolled out of bed and rolled up to my uh, podcast here. So I'm, I'm not in any way camera ready. Um, but Send your avatar next week. I, I could send my avatar, and there's an appeal to that, of course, because certainly my avatar does not have to put on her makeup. But I actually worry about what what this does to the minds of people long term, in the same way that an Instagram filter is going to slowly break everybody's soul. But then this is consistent with Meta. Yeah, and that's like uh, I noticed with Zoom when I upgraded my webcam at the beginning of the pandemic, like we all did. I realized that Zoom had a feature that it was using to smooth skin and stuff like that. And when I had a high-res webcam, it looked really weird. I looked like a wax model of myself, so I had to turn that off. And I was like, wait a minute, what else is going on in the processing pipeline here? So it's, it's a little bit like that. But on the plus side, think of it this way. If your avatar has some good resting animations... You could send the avatar to the meeting and then you could walk away and the avatar will just, you know, like NPCs in video games sort of nod along sagely. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, I think Microsoft had a vision of that at Ignite, but no one put it together where they mix like context IQ along with their metaverse piece, uh, along with Viva, which is AI. And then boom, you don't need to be there. Your avatar just starts doing work for you. I I think the the vision is coming together. Uh, I I predict in two metas, you'll have a a working buddy with you. that's, That's my prediction right there. So I would just say when I was at IBM, thank you for that, Mike. When I was at IBM, I decided to roll out Second Life meetings. Now this was 2004, Linden Labs, Second Life meetings. Everybody had to go create an avatar and go meet by the virtual 8-bit fountain. I don't even know. And like it was it was comically cataclysmic. Like it just you know, how would you tell them all apart with their blue shirts? <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. And khaki um, pants, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, you're right, because IBM did go heavy, heavy into uh, Second Life at some point. Um, because I remember being on some projects, and like half the projects were all like Second Life type projects. And yeah, maybe ahead of its time. I, I don't know, like... I don't know. The the thing I wonder, is this all going to fizzle out? Because it's starting to invade now the corporate world. Yeah. And and by the way, this week, there was like a huge conference in New York. I don't know if you guys heard about it, like NFT New York City. And it was all like metaverse talk, talk NFTs. I mean, I, I don't know that it's going to die down. I think maybe we're, <laughs> I hate to say it, so old that we don't get it. Maybe. I don't know. Nike's mm. getting concerned with those NFTs, aren't they? I saw where Nike came out and they're trying to trademark some some items so i think it's interesting they're afraid they're going to miss out yeah they're afraid they're going to miss because chipotle launched the store in roblox so i, I don't know if you anybody what does has that mean? so roblox is like a virtual world no, so i know that but what's yeah. a virtual chipotle yeah and you could go get virtual burritos and it crashed the site for three days three days what's they were down burrito i don't know people no, want to that's what took it on roblox it, it was, was the chipotle it, yeah it was, uh, that's what i heard that it was the chipotle store <laughs> <laughs> that that everybody went to it and it, it just like boom down three days. I, I, I mean, we just give up. I think we're just too old. None of it makes any sense anymore. We're done. <laughs> well, the one positive thing about virtual food is you're not going to get sick. So good for Chipotle. Now they solved their problem of uh, salmonella and their chicken. So good job, Chipotle. You solved <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, well played. Now, the thing that 
bothers me about all of these stories is just the blandness, right? I've already aged myself by referring to the 90s, so let me do that again. (laughs) If you think back to, you know, John Perry Barlow and the Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace and early cypherpunks and all of that, Web 1 and Web 2 were weird and wild. We called it the weird wild web. And it was exciting. It was fun. And there was also the corporate stuff. There was also, you know, IBM and the but Fountain. But the, the Second Life also had fire-breathing dragons and wandering penises and whatnot. It, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, this is rated R now. You've already made it rated R, so go for it. <laughs> yeah, just go for it. Just go for it. <laughs> but it's... It's all that's what I was saying. The, the Facebook demo of let's all go to a virtual conference room instead of going to a real conference room. Like, what exactly is the point? What's the benefit of this? And the same with NFTs. It's like, let me create 10,000 monkeys and then algorithmically give each one slightly different uh, jewelry and accoutrements. Uh, and, and now they're, they're worth some fake monopoly money somehow. It's also so bland and blah. Where's Where's the excitement? I don't know. Maybe this is, you know, old man shaking fist at cloud. But I, I stipulate that it's not me that's wrong. It's the kids that are wrong. How fucked up is this world <laughs> but, where we have to create an ultimate universe, right? That's what I think. This world is pretty screwed up. But you think about it. I mean, look, if if this is what the younger generation wants and there's a war for talent going on, don't you want to be the company going into the metaverse? Don't you want you to be the company that everybody's talking about? So it's like you go work for the cool guys, not the guys who are doing like the old bland stuff. So I just have to say, I just spent two days at a company filled with young people. It was very confusing. And um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say any more about it, but I will say that it was very abundantly clear to me in this post-COVID world that what these young people wanted was actual burritos not virtual burritos and they wanted to hang around in the office cafe and do the little young people at a company flirty flirty burrito eating thing um which was very very nostalgic for me it super took me back i'm just not sure that the young people want a virtual conference room to dominic's point um i i think they actually uh I, I think they actually, I think we might be trying to map to them our version of what they want, um, which should in our minds coincide with what will create a profitable outcome from their productivity. I think what they actually want is something completely different. Yeah, and which speaks to one of the other companies that jumped on the metaverse bandwagon this week was uh, Tinder. Um, but I think the metaverse half of it is just trend chasing. Uh, that's fine. And six months from now, nobody will ever speak of it again. Uh, but the other half was more interesting uh, as they're going with NFTs, but not for art purposes. As I understand it, the NFTs let you get more out of Tinder, get your profile out there more, uh, give people super likes. I'm not on Tinder. I don't exactly know what that means, but the name sounds fairly descriptive. You bump to the top of their queue or something. That sounds like a more reasonable thing, again, based on my own exposure to, to young people. They're not out there in droves buying massive VR goggles. And let's not forget the very expensive, very powerful PCs to drive them and the space to flail around in while you're in VR. And, and, and uh, what they're doing is they're riding their scooters on the sidewalk. Yeah, I think it does make sense there, but uh, hold on. How how many of you have heard about Web3? Like how out of tune are we? Right. You have, you have. So this decentralized yeah. web built on I've blockchain. I hate it. <laughs> you hate it. 
<laughs> yeah, but wasn't there like a bunch of people that didn't understand like Web 2.0 and then it just took off? Like if you think about the early days of the internet, how people were like, yeah, that's just a fad. And then Amazon was selling like books and everybody's like, oh, those guys are never going to make money. And now here we are. So yeah, but that's, I, I, that's a fallacy that just because a bunch of people don't understand it, that therefore it's going to be successful. There's also a bunch of stuff that people don't understand and dies an unloved death like segways. But I, but I think they're doing like a lot of stuff, right? So if we take, so, so, okay, take segways. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Hold on. I fucking love that. Segway. I tried riding one about six years ago and almost broke my neck in Atlanta. They suck. I'm glad they died. They're super fun to ride as a tourist hey. gimmick. I was in Rome over the long weekend just now and the segways uh, zooming around Rome and it's, it's super fun and I would never own one. But at one point, people were talking about redesigning cities around the Segway. This smells like the same. I don't know. I don't. I don't buy it. I don't buy it because there's a, pe- a lot of people developing, a lot of brain power being put into it. So I, I don't buy it. It's it's not like a university project where it's just research, like quantum computing. You know, I, I think this has this has some serious legs, right? And it all starts from unlike Microsoft's avatars, which don't have legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that was that was awkward. That was awkward. I, I'll admit. Yeah. So let me take a contrarian view just for grins, because it's my understanding we shouldn't all agree on this podcast. I once actually read a fascinating article about the people who are still on Second Life, right? And so one would argue that Second Life should be shut down. Um, Harry Potter Wizards Unite is shutting down in three in three months, but Second Life is going strong. Um, and the question was, what the what? what do you why and what was interesting was that the people that were on second life were actually um not uh typical i think is probably the, the generous word for it there were people that had physical impairments that prevented them from going water skiing who were on second life going water skiing there were people that had um uh like autism spectrum disorders that felt that they could be more interactive in that context and had built a community that was operating according to rules that were different than our physical space typically does. Um, And it was fascinating that there's actually an an ability to be more inclusive in certain ways in these other contexts. I don't know that virtual meeting rooms with virtual whiteboards are exactly the answer to that. But what I do notice is that increasingly people are able to raise their hand with that hokey little zoom button in the in the rooms that I'm in and that allows you to actually get a word in edgewise with a group full of people who never shut up and so maybe there's places where this leaks into the way that we actually function I absolutely hope so and it's the same thing that we've spoken about before with uh, virtual events which suck uh, but giving rise to hybrid events where there's an in-person component with the the hallway track that we all miss. And there's also a possibility for remote participants to join in. And we're all still in the space of figuring out what that looks like so that you're not just, as you say, the the passive watcher of the YouTube stream, but you're able to raise your hand on Zoom and someone's keeping an eye out for that. Uh, I'll be chairing a panel in London next Tuesday uh, please, you should come, uh, which is run along those lines. So we'll have people on stage, we'll have people in a live in-person audience, and we'll have people attending remotely, and everyone gets to ask questions, and we'll be we'll be trying to straddle that divide. And that's the sort of thing that I hope we get to keep longer term, not just for the duration of the current unpleasantness. And if 
this metaverse stuff leads to that and it lets people, you know, go water skiing or visit Machu Picchu or what have you who would not have otherwise been able to have those experiences or join the dance party without having to arrange childcare, uh, you know, insert your own uh, desired outcome here. Then I'm for it. If it just results in we replicate bland cubicle farms, but now we all have to have $1,000 goggles and $2,000 PCs to access them, that I'm against. So I'm against Zuckerberg doing it. I, I wish someone else would do it better. When you when you say like walking around Machu Picchu, you know what I think of? I think of Google Maps and everything they've like mapped out. They're they're like moved to cardboard and all that. And I like I've played with cardboard devices. They're, they're yeah, I have a thing up there. Yeah, yeah, they're damn cool, you know. And yeah, you think of all the companies that have missed this, but have they missed it? I mean, is it going to be one way or another? I, I I don't know. I mean, or were they just early? Are these the blackberries of the metaverse, and someone will come out with the iPhone at some point? Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Facebook is the is the iPhone. Let's put it that way. No, despite their head start with Oculus. No, no, no. I, I think you know there's more to be said about Hololens and like the the work applications around Hololens than than Oculus. Before we go to that, the thing about Facebook, we have to understand they're losing their their market, right? Like this young generation isn't yeah, using Facebook, yeah. so I just want to touch on that real quick. So, I mean, I think that's a big reason they're they're trying to morph or, or evolve, and they should evolve. I mean, they're doing the right thing by trying to evolve. But let's remember they're. They're a uh, legacy they're social audience. network. Yes, they are, and 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 their uh, their user base is, is getting older, getting up there in age. They don't have that young base, so this is what they're really trying to do. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, they they are they are, but I I think they're not like kids are not going to go there in droves, right? I, that's you you got to do something cool for kids to go there in droves or for for the you know, and, and I don't think we're the ones who are going to put on Oculus headsets and start to. <laughs> to meet each other in the in the metaverse, so I, I don't think it's it's uh, it's yeah the fit is right for the audience. But that's the thing: if VR didn't take off in the past year, when we've all been locked up at home and doing nothing but uh, buying electronics off of Amazon and desperately looking for some way to entertain ourselves, when is it going to take off? We had uh, a new a new game, a new Half Life game from Valve, and even that didn't move the needle. And Half-Life has been feverishly expected since Half-Life 2 drops. Everyone's been looking forward to Half-Life 3. And even that didn't move the needle. And I think the problem is exactly what you said. It's who's the user. And I can't have a VR headset because I don't have the time to carve out for such an exclusionary experience when I can't be doing anything else. I can't keep an eye on my kids. I can't keep on top of the washing up. I can't do anything else. I'd have to wait for everyone to go to bed and then at 10 p.m. I fire up the VR thing and you know go join Zuckerberg in his conference room. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not attractive to me. Meanwhile the kids, kids can't afford three grand of electronics equipment to to run this. They they were if they're lucky they're on their phones. And so we're talking about, you know, uh single and probably young male uh living alone with a bunch of free time and a bunch of disposable income, I think that market's probably tapped. It's, you know, gamers, they're a market, but they're a finite market. I mean, I think that the, the, the notion of augmented reality or the, the kind of um, what you can do with that, that quarter of your brain that is not doing the washing up at that moment in a, in a I would say, low Listen to podcasts, more podcasts. 
<laughs> but there's that sort of low-grade asynchronous quality to that, right? Where like Slack, I think, is while it certainly isn't visual in the way that we're describing here, it's a kind of virtual existence in many ways across your organization that is low-grade asynchronous, right? Not you don't want to turn it off for a week and a half and then try to catch up. But as long as you're sort of vaguely in tune with it over the course of the day, you're good. And and that is the kind of attention that most of us can pay to something. Now, if if we could find a way to make Slack slightly less text-based, right? I could see that evolving a little bit more readily than a virtual conference room. Well, they tried. They launched that video messaging thing. And mercifully, nobody has sent me one yet, or I would be forced to you know, hire a hitman. Oh, God, I would be so angry if somebody sent me a Slack video message. I think Teams has taken over the Slack world. I mean, I think that I think that Teams experience is just um, it's starting to become better and better. And so I think, yeah, people have moved on from Slack. I, I, I don't I don't see Slack becoming bigger and bigger here at this point. I completely agree. I completely agree. Microsoft, again, will keep going at it. I don't think they're moving away from Slack, but certainly the growth is is in Teams. But I think you will see people migrating from Slack to Teams, you know, and I don't know, you've got you've got to be a Microsoft shop for Teams to make sense. If you're all in on the Microsoft world, Teams is actually really good. I've said so. Uh but if you're not, trying to make Teams play nice with anything else is an uphill battle and that's what Slack has got good at. I think there's always this uh, this idea that you you pick a product and then you pick like uh, best of breed products around it and you have integration. Uh, I think everybody's been so focused on like email as the core and um, everybody's been focused as email and ERP as the core. But I think the core has shifted to messaging and teams, the t- this team Slack collaboration channel. And I think that's the core that people will build on from now on. And you could see it like, totally happening. I mean, Microsoft at Ignite gives such a compelling argument about like some of these like loops that you can put into like components that you could put into email teams everywhere that stay like alive and everybody can update. Then you start to look at like, like they made a real big push on, I, I find HoloLens and Dynamics that if I was watching that, like, okay, this is challenging my ERP, but I think it's challenging Salesforce. I, I think Salesforce had to watch Ignite and probably be the most the most attacked company from Ignite, to be honest. I, I, I don't I, I don't see um Oh so you, you don't think Chatter has a future? No, I don't think Chatter has a future. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think Chatter had a past, actually. I'm I'm I'd question that as well. I don't even know what Chatter is, but yeah, great. It's the Salesforce of its teams for Salesforce. It was yeah. it was horribly miscon- misconstrued. It made perfect sense in the idea that all the sellers might be living in Salesforce, but as somebody who is sort of not living in Salesforce, but often the object of their query, it became another place to check for questions from the field. And, you know, I love the field, love the field with all my heart. You know what guys, like I don't spend all my time sitting around waiting for your questions, like some sort of, you know, product help desk. And the result was essentially a lot of frustration that, that anybody who wasn't living in Salesforce wasn't, adequately responsive and you're like well but but we don't live in salesforce we actually have a different day job most companies i've been at uh, chatter has been just tumbleweeds because sellers just never adopted it and as you said no one else had any incentive to 
So it's interesting yeah. to know it did work in at least one place. <laughs> so they spoke about Teams Connect and that's what they want to start doing. They want to start putting like everybody onto Teams and then, yeah, you could chat across organization and all that, which today you can federate some organizations and talk cross organization, but that'll be open to everybody, which is going to get a bit crazy. And you can do that in Slack. So here's a product opening in the market, someone to build a proxy that lets you plug a Slack into a Teams instance. Yeah. <laughs> why would Microsoft? Why would Microsoft make that happen, though? I, oh I, no, no, it would have to be a third party. Yeah, yeah, but but I think Microsoft would block the third party. To be honest, you would never keep up. Like, what would happen would be a a feature race that would never build enough APIs to keep up with it, right? And and that would eventually take it down, right? The antitrust is definitely coming from Microsoft, though. I mean. It won't the be antitrust is everybody. always coming from Microsoft. I bet there's like a group of <laughs> no. people at Microsoft just there's like, where is it coming from this week? Right? No, 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 not, not not like Google, not like Amazon, not like Facebook. I think. Um, yeah, Microsoft's got off lightly with the last round of antitrust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure they are still stinging from the from the olden days. Yeah, they've got consent decrees and stuff, right? Yeah. That's how you get corporate policies, scar tissues from past trauma. Yeah, yep. that's right. By the way, I realized that I've become a complete uh, Microsoft fanboy. So, but okay, it it competes with uh, Dominic's Apple fanboydom, so that's okay. That's good. I'm a I'm a universal skeptic, so there you go. <laughs> Balance us all out. That's great. That's Although great. I have to say, I'm loving my LG panel. I have to write up a review. Well, so we've uh, decided pretty much nothing except that we're old and possibly out of touch. But. <laughs> So let's move on. We did have a couple of other topics. Uh, there was a, an interesting acquisition that was done this podcast, Ali, uh, which is Walmart uh, made an acquisition and bought Botmock, uh, which does low-code, no-code stuff. What an amazing acquisition. We, we speak all the time about these, these companies making these uh, technology acquisitions. And Mike, you've said it often, right? Every company is a technology company. But uh, yeah, this acquisition, I think, is, is powerful. I mean, you know, you're you're building your grocery cart and you know you want to um, you know, hey add you via voice right add milk to my grocery cart i mean how about conversational uh, speech right now uh, you know a, a bot that says hey you know zach you already have milk in there hey zach you normally buy two percent milk or hey zach this is on sale or hey zach if you tried almond milk right now you can advertise there's some revenue coming in right but normally to build something like that we all know i mean well i don't know if we everybody knows but it, it, it takes a while and it's very difficult and i spent some time and you know uh in contact center at Cisco and advanced services, I know what it takes. It takes a lot of scripting, a lot of effort. You never really get it right. It really hasn't been right. I mean, we've all leveraged these these botnets from these different companies where we, you know, or when you we, we've interacted with them and they're horrible. But this no code format is amazing. They can build this in days, two, three days. They can build this as opposed to two, three months, if you're lucky, more like a year to two years. Pretty powerful. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Walmart is either genius or going to end up being like absolutely stupid on this one. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you're bringing together kind of the best of all worlds. They're, they're in a war for not only people, so they need like the good people, but probably with their competitors, they're probably all looking at this, all using the same tool and they need, they need an advantage. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of this Zach is like, they were worried that Amazon would acquire them or one of their other competitors. And then it moves into like a cloud offering as a feature and they can't go there. So it's interesting, but like, yeah, low code and no code will go around on everything. 
by the way. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. Everybody's going to make development so much easier, no matter what you're going to call it. That That's how I see it. So every single prospectus for acquisition that I have seen, I think, in the last 350 million years has said low-code, no-code on it. Um, like, I'm fairly sure that at this point, low-code, no-code is as buzzy as just saying something is hybrid cloud or web-enabled. It's 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 not a destination. Right? It's, a, it's a quality. It's like being short. <laughs> like, it's a thing. Um, I just, I'm not confident anymore that it is, um, it is, is just implying, I think, a more citizen developer could execute something with something, right? And that, and that, but the something remains to be defined in the context that you're dealing with. In this context, it feels like it's sort of specific to the shopping experience, right? Um, but but what, that's why it's but that's why it's brilliant for a company like Walmart who doesn't have the super techies, right? Now anybody can develop, anybody can use. So it's really democratization yeah. of development right so yeah if they can so the big the trick with an aqua hire is obviously retaining the the humans right um and and that might cost a pretty penny for an organization who we know is not super comfortable overpaying their staff um but i i suspect that that's that that's going to be the trick is to find a way for the culture of a low-code startup filled with high-demand employees to merge and provide value within the context of what I can only assume is a somewhat less cool Walmart IT and tech team. I, I don't I don't know about that because they, oh man, I can't, what company did Mark Lore come from that they acquired? They were competing with Amazon um, and I forget. So they, they do have a pretty substantial tech team. I mean, okay. their online experience still sucks. I mean, yes. don't get me wrong, but yeah. I was going to ask, you know, from a European perspective, I don't think of Walmart as a big online player. I they think are. of them as a physical retail player. They are, and they're quite quick. Like, they might ship you something from the nearby store, so some employee might come with a bag and say, this is what you ordered. <laughs> it's, like, really awkward. But they also allow third-party sellers, and they're not so clear on who, like, when you're buying, who the third-party seller is. So there is a strong competition from from Amazon. And I think the Walmart experience getting better and better. Whereas like, so let, let's take the other big box like target target. I think if you're online ordering, I think they force you to go through shipped. It's, it's not as clean as, as like Walmart. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's uh, that's interesting perspective for me. I wasn't aware of that. Well, with that, we are at time. So recommendations for the last week, uh, next week I'll have to come up with something different. But this week I'm still going to recommend that next week we have MongoDB.local London. It's a hybrid event, as I said before, in person and online. But if you're in London or the London area, do come on down to Battersea next Tuesday. Uh, there's a registration link and a 50% discount code in the show notes. Uh, if you do come make yourself known to me and uh, I don't know, I'll find some swag or something. Anyone else have any recommendations this week? I think I made a recommendation on Aura Ring for a while. They're they're coming out with a new uh, version. I'm quite excited. Like everything that I want to change, they're going to change. Um, so they've given so they've given existing users like fifty dollars off, and now they've given us the opportunity to extend that to other people. So I'll drop the link in the show notes. Anybody who wants to pick up an Aura Ring and get the the fifty dollar off, um, it's coming out sometime mid November. So any in a couple of weeks here. Courtesy of Mike. Yep. 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 I, I, by the way, I cannot wait for that ring. I, I absolutely am going to order that, Mike. I, I got your email, so good. Um, if, if I can, mine is a little interesting. So I just started, I stumbled upon this drone racing league, DRL, and it's on NBC Sports and NBC, and it's it's this league, and it's been going on for four or five years, and they race 
like you know, one week in Tennessee, and they go in these uh, these coliseums, and they're empty, right? And they have this big course, and it's just amazing. And I thought to myself, this this new era of sports, right? Whether it's EA Sports or drone racing, is crazy to me. And these are you know people eighteen to forty years old, and they're sponsored by you know big name sponsors, and uh, it's really wild. So I'll put it in there. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but D DRL Drone Racing League, it is crazy. Like I just just sit there and watch it for an hour and not even realize it. It's just it's wild. So do, do you know there is an esport group that went public like last week through a SPAC, of course? But they so I mean esports are like huge, and people are like watching this stuff. I don't get watching somebody else play a game, but yeah, apparently people do. So once again, we are old. And that's <laughs> <a bunch. laughs> there you go. <laughs> the, the theme is true. Yeah. I don't have a recommendation apart from the fact that I will say after the first couple weeks of returning to real life, I strongly recommend three dimensional real humans um, and in real environments where you can actually see people and interact with them and not necessarily only type and zoom so um real life still going strong <laughs> i'll try that out next week and let you know how it goes if i have to retreat into a closet and gibber to myself <laughs> <laughs> there is a little of that <laughs> well thank you all for listening as ever we will talk to you again next week you can follow the show on twitter at roll for enterprise with the number four or on our linkedin page the links in the show notes the theme music is by my good friend Renato, and you should definitely send us suggestions for topics, guests, uh, and or NFTs that you particularly favor. Talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.